The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now, on the subject of controversy, the OECD had a bit of a go at us yesterday, getting a bit antsy about this whole idea of when the state pension should kick in. Can we afford it? Should it be increasing? Should it be in line with life expectancy? Almost like inflation-adjusted state pension. And they said the government should scrap its commitment to keep the state pension at 66. They've recommended continually increasing the threshold for retirement in life, in life with um, in line with life expectancy in order to combat rising debt issues. So is this the right way to go? Can we afford it? And if not 66, when should it kick in? So let's have a discussion with Suzanne Rogers, who is Research and Policy Analyst with Social Justice Ireland. She joins me now. And we also have economist Jim Power. Listen, I'm going to come to you first, Suzanne. Welcome to The Hard Shoulder, first of all. Where do you fit into this now, where the OECD, they're not happy, kind of standard enough stuff from the OECD. They don't tend to be like uh, big state spending commitments. But do you think they have a, a point here that this is simply not sustainable to hold the state pension at 66 while life expectancy on the other side of the ledger it, it just keeps increasing every year Thank you for having us I suppose first thing thank you um, I mean for us in Social Justice Ireland the fact that we are ageing as a population and living longer is a real success story so we, we really need to bring that to the foremost you know we are living longer and we're much healthier for much longer and when we talk about retirement for us a fundamental is that you should be able to retire on an adequate income at whatever stage that is. And what we really saw over the last couple of years was that there are people who work in really physically demanding jobs. They were our essential workers right the way through COVID. They keep the place going. They shouldn't be disadvantaged. So when we talk about a mandatory retirement age, um, you know, you've got people like yourself and myself who we, we sit and we talk and we think and we write for a living. <laughs> That's a terrible way to dismiss my role. <laughs> Take that back immediately. We can do this for decades. We could be at this oh, well yeah. into our 80s. But there are, though, like my, my dad was in construction. There's no way he, could, he, he couldn't have worked into his 80s. So what we don't want to see, I suppose, is people who, who need to retire early. We don't want to see them disadvantaged. That's a real key thing for us. Um, and again, I think it's a much broader conversation as well about what services are we providing and how do we pay for it? Because that's really the nub of this. Yeah, and I suppose um, the other issue is that people who have private occupational pensions might say, well, you know what, I'm not overly worried about whether the state pension kicks in at whatever age, whereas other people are. So, uh, you know, who who are the people that will lose out when we do adjust it is also important here, isn't it? Hugely important. And again, that always goes back to this, the same conversation we have all the time. We're looking at who's most vulnerable, who's going to be disadvantaged here. Does it massively, there'll be a, definitely a gendered aspect of that. We're looking at, I suppose, you know, people like carers. Um, again, the majority of them are older. They are providing invaluable support. They already save huge amounts of money for the health service every year. But it does go into that. It, 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 that sort of, it, it's the services as well, I think, we really need to be looking at. We're not really prepared for the fact that we are ageing. Our health system isn't up to it. Our housing system isn't up to it. We have this real shift where traditionally, when you retired, either your mortgage was paid or you were in local authority housing. And now what we're going to have is a lot of people who are going to be retiring into private rented accommodation. Like We haven't really seen that before. So again, is a pension going to be able to provide you to pay the €2,300 a month that you're paying for a two-bedroom apartment somewhere in Dublin? Probably not, you know. So we need to be looking at all of this in the round. I think that's really, really important. Sure. But Susanna, would, would it not be fair to say that it would be quite difficult to carve out a group of people and say, 
while you do physical work or for a period of time you did physical work so you're going to be going down a separate track to these more you know white collar jobs or whatever you want to describe in a policy sense to try and break out those two groups it sounds messy even if it has good social justice uh, principles underneath it. No, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with that. But I think, again, it just goes back to that key point that whatever the pension is set at, it needs to be adequate. And it, and again, what you're trying not to do, I suppose, is disadvantage a certain amount of people by saying we are now going to raise the pension age to 69 or 70 when there will be a cohort who simply cannot work at that level. Sure, so, yeah. So it, it needs to take out of individual circumstance. Let's bring in Jim Power, who's a well-known um, consultant and economist. Jim, uh, first of all, thanks for coming on The Hard Shoulder. Where, where, I mean, OECD, they tend to kind of put these reports out annually and say, look, the state is making commitments it can't stand over. You, you would expect that from them. But do you think they have a point on this particular one? Well, Emmett, the OECD is not alone. Um, numerous other bodies who have looked at this have, who have basically reached the same conclusion that um, having the pension age set at 66 at the moment um, just does not make financial sense um, from a longer-term sustainability perspective. Um, I think it's important to remember that when Bismarck introduced pensions many decades ago, it was at a time when um, life expectancy was very short and very few people, if any, actually lived to pick up a pension. Um, things have changed. We now have a life expectancy in this country of 83. And um, it's obviously, well, to me, okay, the, the most immediate challenge for Ireland is housing. You know, socially, economically, politically, it is the biggest issue in the immediate term. But if you look long term, the two big issues that have massive financial implications are climate change and demographics. Um, We have and we will have a rapidly aging population. And of course, aging populations have huge implications for public expenditure. Uh, There is the pension issue, which we're discussing. There is the health care issue, because as people get older, they require more health care. And of course, there are the other basic services for care for older people. So there is a massive demographic time bomb building up. Jim, yep. could, could you pick up the, the point, though, about the not, not all 66-year-olds are the same, right? So picking up... Suzanne's yeah, I know point. that, Emma. Can I just finish my point first? Yeah. There, was a, the, 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 there is a huge fiscal issue here, OK? Resources are scarce. We've got to make choices. Um, there was an interesting survey out today from Eurostat looking at satisfaction with life. And in Ireland, satisfaction with life among younger people is amongst the lowest in Europe. And we are one of the very few countries in Europe where life satisfaction is higher among um, the old than the young. Okay, so I think we are doing our young people a serious disservice. And this whole debate about the pension situation is part of that. I mean, we basically pulled up the drawbridge on the generations that are coming after us. And if we're going to continue to, you know, spend billions on pensions that we can't really afford, um, it's going to create serious, serious problems in terms of providing basic services that younger people require as well. I mean, at at the end of the day, um, the life expectancy is 83. Increasing from 66 to 68 will save a lot of money. And for many people in that age cohort, um, they may... Many people want to actually keep working. Many people probably have to keep working, um, but it's a choice that most people 
um, can make or will make. But isn't that the um, point, Jim? But, isn't that just a, it's a whole junior flow there? Isn't that the point? We can make a political choice. We may not like it. You may not like it. But we can make a political choice that we want to do this. Of, co- of course we can. But then do not have people like Social Justice Ireland and others coming out saying we need to spend more money on this. We need to spend more money on that. This is a limited pot of money and we have got to prioritise. And in, in my view, there are higher priorities there are at better, the moment. There are better options. Suzanne, yes. Jim, Jim is saying, look, we, 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 this is an opportunity because if we do this, we can't do other things. So there is that trade-off that you get with, as he says, a limited pot. I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think political thinking is very siloed and very departmentalised. So, you know, we're, we're looking at this much money goes to housing, this much money goes to health, this much money goes to education. I do think we need to look a lot more cross-departmental because obviously money spent in housing is money saved in health, money saved in education. is You know what I mean? We need to be thinking much broader. But if you read the all 547 pages, the recent Commission on Taxation and Welfare report, that was the key issue. The services we require as a society, the services we would like to see as a society, what do we want? And the big question then is how do we pay for it? And again, it's a much broader conversation than just pensions and it's a much broader conversation than just income tax and working for longer. So again, I just think we need to be really creative with this. That might actually be a place to start is, is some of the recommendations in that report to say, well, okay, you know, where, where are we spending our money and where are we getting our money and how can well, we do that's, things differently? That's, that's, a, that's a big conversation and definitely going to have to do a special edition of the Hard Shoulder for that one. But for now, I'm going to leave the two of you. Maybe we'll have you both on again because there's a lot more to discuss. These are big, long-term decisions, but you did hear Suzanne Rogers there, who is a research and policy analyst with Social Justice Ireland, and a familiar voice of Jim Power, who's an economist there. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.